Hit Podcast. That's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news. We underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process. Yes, you, because we got Chris and Andrew to bless you. With the best features, best stories. We diving deep like a Lambo leak. Wake up, kid, and stop snoring. We all point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the dog pound. In the cold, get a gold brown. Sit back and race the cat. We start this show like right now. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Underdog. I'm Chris Horwardale, joined by Anshu Kana. Anshu! Chris! How you doing? I'm doing very well. Again, relatively speaking. How about yourself? <laughs> doing good, doing good. I wanted to, uh, I wanted a little public service announcement here at the top of the show. Exciting times for The Underdog Network in general. Uh, you know, the, the Twitter, we, we are no longer Underdog Sports, we are now Underdog Podcasts, and We've got a lot of new shows that hit the network in the past couple of weeks, including some that will debut this week, the most notable of which are first true crime offering Peebles for the People, hosted by Alex Peebles, talking about the 1994 disappearance of Heidi Allen. Uh, we've got Bones actor Eric Milligan. He played Zach Addy in the long-running show doing an NBA, uh, NBA show for us. Uh, yeah. We've got actress and MLB Network frequent guest Ellen Adair and her husband Eric Gill doing uh, a baseball movie show for us we've got uh, rising youtube star cory talapa doing a basketball podcast uh, basketball movie podcast for us uh the the uh, ever-present sean ryan adds another show in fantasy football almanac uh apologies a- ellen and eric's show is called take me into the ball game if you want to subscribe now Corey's is called nothing but netflix um netflix for legal reasons uh, <laughs> Sean's is, uh, football show is the Fantasy Football Almanac. We've also got another football show called Between the Pylons. We've got a society and culture show called Squeamish, which is uncomfortable uh, conversations about important topics. And uh, former eight-year MLB veteran Brian Johnson returns with a uh, new season of The Preacher and the Catcher. And this year we'll have uh, a video version as well. So lots wow. to do and lots more coming in the next couple of weeks. Very exciting. A lot of good stuff. A lot of very awesome, quirky names, by the way, because, you know, it's hard. There's so many uh, so many podcasts out there to not be redundant with them. As someone who's been on several, it's very tricky to navigate that. So impressive work by all our, our friends and colleagues over there. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fun time. I'm very excited. I will tell you that uh, the true crime show has been performing above my wildest expectations. We got on the charts in the first oh, couple yeah. of days. And like weirdly, like I had this like weird excitement as as a podcasting parent when he got on the charts, more so than even when any of our <laughs> sports shows do really well, that our incredible audience expanded out to the point where, you know, we can put out other stuff like true crime shows and still succeed. I was I'm super happy about that. Yeah, well, and let me just take this chance to compliment you, which I know you you rarely enjoy. You're just <laughs> a very you. Tell me more, Anshu. Right? Tell me more. Stop. Stop <laughs> with this and get right to it. Uh, the genesis of that true crime show, though, comes from a class that you spoke at, mm-hmm. and I just I think it's so cool that you you sort of handpicked that. You know, a long time ago, we talked about expanding this network to, or you did, expanding this network beyond sports, and um, you know, from what it was as like a basically an NFL draft site to what it is now, you know, diving into uncomfortable conversations, which we often have, but for different reasons. (laughs) And, you know, and especially that true crime show is um, just really, really cool. So kudos to you on uh, on all the great work. And uh, 
I know you put a lot of effort into that, and um, I'm, I'm excited to see how that goes and subsequent seasons of how that goes. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. We, uh, in terms of the show with Alex, uh, Alex Peebles, the true crime show, we we did a lot of work. He has come. I give him all the credit in the world. He's uh, he's put in the hours, even if uh, I have to stay on him to get some of the minutia stuff done. But he has come a he has come a really long way since we started, and I'm super proud of him. It's going to be the first of uh, many great seasons of true crime. We're looking at a couple of more true crime shows. And just, you know, see where this wild ride takes us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're like the Nick Fury with uh, all these random awesome shows that uh, have sort of <laughs> evolved under your your no. watchful eye, at least the one eye. So, well done. <laughs> Doing nothing more than uh, riding on the shoulders of giant podcasters, sir. It is uh, very little <laughs> of it is, uh, is anything I have anything to do with. So I'll, I will take all, cool. I'll take the credit, but, uh, you know. It's, uh, it is uh, it is not really my doing other than saying, hey, do you want to be a part of this? Yeah, and uh, well, and them, them foolishly saying yes. <laughs> I count myself in that group, but yes. <laughs> well, it's not just a, an exciting time for the network. It's an exciting time for sports in general. We have the MLB in eight days. We have the NBA in 15 days, nine days until scrimmages start. We have the NHL in 17 days. Having a hard time saying acronyms today. Uh, the NFL is still a little bit to be determined because we're not sure how training camps are going to work and uh, how many preseason games we're going to have. But week one is 56 days away. And uh, I guess the big question mark is whether or not we're going to have NCAA sports. I hope not, but I suspect that that decision is not going to be made anytime soon. Uh, yeah, I mean, some leagues have obviously, some conferences have gone ahead and made semi decisions mm-hmm. um i think it's it's fascinating what the ncaa is doing in terms of football because you hear really a wide variety of voices i was you know i agree I, i've gone back and forth i thought that there's just no way they can manage to do this especially with campuses students not reporting to campus um but then you know you have guys like lincoln riley who are smart guys that really want to you know, get this thing going. And then you also have mixed messages from the various conference commissioners. And, Mm -hmm. you know, all along, you also have the best players. I don't know if you read Bruce Feldman's article today, but there are a lot of players that are, as we suspected, considering sitting up the season for, to, you know, preserve their draft stock. And I, I mean, all these things are major factors. And like, I, I don't know how you can, make the decision without weighing all of them, the coaches, the players. And then at the same time, you also have a region um, of, and really like just an absolutely diehard fan base or series of fan bases um, that you have to sort of cater to. And it's all public. A lot of these universities are public. So you have competing governmental interests. And I think that, you know, trying to weigh all of those is, is, an extraordinary task. And we've seen the big 10 and Pac 12 already decide that at minimum, they're going to cut out their out of conference schedules, which I mean, I think that makes a ton of sense as much yeah. as I hate to not see the bat, the Badgers play Notre Dame at Lambeau. I mean, it's, you know, it's the wise thing to do as you take baseball's cue here a little bit. And uh, yeah, very fascinating to see how it works with, uh, with college football. And then obviously with the NFL as well. Well, you mentioned Notre Dame, Wisconsin. I think the college football game that I was most looking forward to this season is now already off, 
and that's mm-hmm. Trey Lance and that North Dakota State team taking on Oregon yes. early. Very disappointing. And, you know, no matter what happens, Trey Lance is, is going pro uh, mm-hmm. almost certainly. And so we there's a pretty good chance we never see Trey Lance uh, in his fully, you know, in his most developed form here as a college quarterback going against like a, a legit defense. So unless, you know, North Dakota State, I, I mean, even then, I, I don't know. I don't know that you can make a even remotely complete evaluation of him. So no matter what happens, where he gets drafted, he's, there are going to be legitimate question marks about him. Yeah, you know, the the Trey Lance versus Justin Fields conversation has really been heating up in terms of who the number two uh, quarterback in this draft is at this point. God knows a lot changes. Basically, the uh, over the last 10 years, the guy who went into the season as the number one quarterback was drafted number one like twice. And that mm-hmm. was uh, that was Andrew Luck and Jameis Winston. So mm-hmm. a lot can change, but it just it would have been really interesting to get to see that North Dakota State team and Trey Lance take on Oregon, and then just a few weeks later we get Fields and Ohio State take on that Oregon defense. Yeah, I mean a perfect potential control experiment there, and we're not going to get it. And you know who knows? Maybe we would have seen Trevor Lawrence against that Oregon defense too sure. down the line. So um, you know, I, I the other thing is like. Uh, you know, like you said, you, like you imply, only two of the number one quarterbacks of the last decade basically have been the number one pick. But not just that, like, you know, part of the fact there is who would have jumped up? I mean, would right. we have had Kyle Trask? Would we have had someone Brock get hot? Purdy. Sam Ellinger, Brock Purdy, somebody get hot over the course of the season and, you know, capture that number one pick or number two or number three? I mean, I... I there are there is so much that could have changed over the course of the season. Maybe we we still do get a season, but the fact that we won't get that specific series of controlled matchups um, automatically means that this, no matter what you think of the virus, I mean, it is going to impact this the NFL and college football for at least two years. Probably it's going to change it drastically for the next decade. That's just the reality. I, I mean, there are so many dominoes that fall because of what's happened. I would also think, and I don't know how many people will actually take advantage of this, but I would think that even if we do have college football this year, the option to skip and preserve eligibility for another for an extra season is going to exist because it feels like it kind mm-hmm. of has to. So mm-hmm. while that's not going to apply to your top seniors, like Travis Etienne is not going to go back to Clemson for a fifth year, but... You know, a lot of guys who had the opportunity, like you said, uh, like a, a Joe Burrow, for instance, mm-hmm. exactly. will, will not have that opportunity to step up. And there's no way to look at this other than it's going to weaken our perceived idea of how strong the draft is because totally. we, we don't get a year of breakout players. No, it's I mean, and it sucks because I do think this year was going to be much more fun than last year mm-hmm. in terms of the the quality of players out there and, um, and, you know, just the mix and the diversity of good quarterbacks. I I think it was going to be a really fun overall season. Like you said, like no matter what happens now, there's asterisks all over this thing. And even if they play it in the spring, like some have suggested, I mean, it's just gonna, it's, you're right. It's, it totally messes everything up. And, you know, it's like, we just don't have enough information. We're not, it's impossible to get as much information as we otherwise could have. And, I think that's, again, we talked about the MLB draft, but it's totally going to separate certain scouting departments from others, I think. Well, it's going to change the end of this college football season, too, so incredibly impactfully, 
because, I mean, think about this. If we start in the spring, there is a very real possibility that the NFL draft will happen while college football is going on. And uh-huh. at yeah. that at that point, you know, anybody who gets drafted is immediately going to stop playing for their team. Of course. I mean, again, like you were implying, we both were talking about, there's there's already going to be a group of players that aren't playing. Mm-hmm. And the amount that will increase, specifically like draft-capable draft senior, draftable seniors, um, you know, they're just going to drop off probably a lot of them. Well, and it's a shame because the college game is definitely going to get hurt by it. And oh, yeah. I, you know, I think it's the same thing that we talk about with the NBA and any other champion that we will get with limited fans, like you have to look at that specific season with, you know, a massive caveat. There is no way in the world that a guy who gets drafted and we'll, we'll allow for the, the one crazy exception, but the players who were drafted are going to risk getting hurt and not being ready for an NFL season when they're trying to make an NFL roster. And that especially applies to the guys who aren't top two round picks. You know, there is no reason sure. that any sixth, seventh round pick would even consider playing college football a second after they get drafted. And that's just it's going to be such a weird season. You're right. Uh, you know, they talk about the asterisks in the in the bubble for the NBA. And uh, sure, I guess. But that's going to be the closest. I guess hockey's doing a pretty good job, too. But that's going to be the closest to an actual warranted champion than uh, of any of the, the major sports, I would say. Yeah, this this college football season that is the asterisk of asterisks with <laughs> with you know 220 of the best players in college football stopping playing uh by the end of the season potentially and that doesn't even count the guys who didn't play in the first place well and that doesn't even take into account like the fact that they haven't gotten a practice that yeah. you know it's college football there's so many thousands of players to your point and mm-hmm. you know the coaches at, at such a formative time like the training programs the fact that you know these big big schools can't get these players into their facilities. You know, it's just, it's totally hampers the whole, it honestly, again, it's not just one year either. These are like, this is going to have a domino ripple effect for multiple years. The only bright side is that everyone's playing by the same rules. Um, at least ideally everyone's got to go through the same thing. Yeah. Kind of though. You know, some, like you said, some schools like Morehouse, for instance, already announced that they're not going to have sports this fall. Um, Harvard, yeah. Harvard, yeah. And by, and by, you know, talking about Morehouse, the HBCUs, the, uh, we didn't, we never talked about the mature maker thing. And that's, uh, that's yeah. going to be really interesting. And it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see whether or not it ends up paying off and it ends up catching on. It's an incredibly noble thing to do. I, I certainly wouldn't take anything away from him. I think I would love to see more of it. But at the same time, you know, Oh, like a lot of the best high schools in the country have better facilities than some of these small colleges. Oh, yeah. So just, the AAU teams. Yeah. Just yeah. in terms of the, the actual training and preparation, that's going to be interesting. Oh, I yeah. If we go. That's that's its own road. Um, I'm not sure if it's it seems like it's more of a response to the social issues that we've seen over the last few months than yeah. the actual, you know, coronavirus issues. But I, I do think that both you know they're they're kind of hand in hand so it's interesting yeah that's going to be wild um yeah i i and just going back to what you were saying the asterisk of asterisk i mean baseball i assume that's what you're kind of pointing to that is the ultimate um 
I mean, not the ultimate. The college football one's definitely worse, but baseball is right there too. Sixty game season, um, you know, only playing against your division. I mean, mm-hmm. you will literally they'll literally go into the playoffs against teams with zero common opponents um, to them. Like different AL teams will have not played anyone in common, and so it's just going to create a very. I mean, it's like Champions League almost with soccer. Like you're going to have teams playing against other teams and other players that they've not that. Yeah, there's just no overlap, and so it's going to be. I mean, if it actually goes off, I am I have big time doubts that it will because it just mm-hmm. to me it doesn't compute. But um, we'll see. I mean, it's going to be very very interesting. But but I'm glad we're going to get something. Uh, yeah, but F- I, fingers I crossed. NBA, knock on wood. Yeah, I do think the NFL. The NFL is kind of like leaning into being the first thing that's the most like what we are accustomed to seeing. So we'll see if they actually go through with that. It's easy to have that attitude two months in advance. Right. Very true. Um, and you know, they've all, they've been, we've talked about this, but they've been the most stubborn, I would say from the get go. I mean, when, when people thought it was maybe tone deaf to have a draft, Roger Goodell essentially gave them all the finger and said, we're doing this thing. And, um, you know, and I, I actually, I'm, I'm totally cool with that because they were able to do it and actually pull it off fairly, fairly reasonably. Um, yeah. And they set a good precedent for other leagues and things like that. But I, I, this is a whole other beast to have to travel across the country to not, you know, cater their schedule around what might happen. I think it takes some level of brazenness that maybe, I don't know if they have a backup plan, but I, I would be concerned about what they've got right now. Yeah, the NFL draft, they did a great job. I will say, you know, for better and potentially worse, the, the MLB draft felt almost exactly like a regular MLB draft to me, but that, maybe <laughs> that's because right? maybe that's because it's not particularly exciting in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um but while we're while we're talking about the uh the NFL and whether or not their their season will go off without a hitch, what do you think of these uh, face masks that they put out the other day? Yeah. better than the first version that was go floating around Twitter, the yeah. main masks, basically. Um, you know, I, I don't know what it's going to feel like for them, obviously. Uh, but it's, it's really an interesting idea because, you know, say what you want about the NFL being a very physical, you know, face to face type game, you know, I had the hat on hat type game, but at the same time, they have the most protective gear of any league as it is. And so if you add the layer of like a mouth guard that doesn't impede their breathing, which I, again, I don't know if it will or not. I yeah. assume that they've done tons of testing. Pretty cool for them to develop that in such a short amount of time, if they're able to pull it off. Now I saw some interviews that the players weren't super excited about it, but I don't know. I'm, very, I'm really interested. What, what did you have a thought on it? It looked interesting, you know, and for the players who aren't quote super excited about it, I would imagine they're also not going to be quote super excited about getting coronavirus. So right. <laughs> one is certainly very better true. than the alternative. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. You know, my feelings on football have not wavered even a little bit. And especially now that we're getting some promising uh, early tests on vaccines. Mm-hmm. I think I think football is going to get pushed to December. NFL, January. Yeah, yeah, NFL yeah, football yeah. to December, January. Mm-hmm. Could be. Yeah, I, I, I mean, don't see it any way. Why, why risk it? They why risk it and also like. It's not it's not as season dependent, I feel like, as other sports. Right. In that, um, you know, they don't they're it's made to be a cold weather sport. It's not dependent it's not like 
students who are or draftable prospects who you know might get their their plans kicked down the line i really don't see the logistics of um you know i mean maybe in conference if they limit to in conference play they could kick it to the spring with the ncaa football but Mm -hmm. I, i do think that the nfl is positioned fine to be able to move it you know a month or two or even three down the line without it affecting it because they have such a long off season too as opposed to the NBA or somebody else like that, where I think the NBA is going to feel the effects for years and years. Or, yeah. as you have suggested, this is going to be their permanent plan. It just it makes so much sense. <laughs> and I, you know, I've said this time, 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 and time, and time again, but it makes so much sense for the NBA to move to a Christmas start. You get, yeah. out, of, you get out of the way of football, and it's just it's such a fun and exciting first day of the basketball season. Yeah, I... It, I, I tend to agree, and it leaves you more of an off-season to do things like, you know, like Adam Silver has wanted to do, which is, you know, maybe an international tournament yeah. or, you know, something along those lines, an off-season tournament, more increased uh, Im- import on the uh, the summer league, that sort of thing. So uh, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, but I do think, yeah, we'll see about football. We'll see about the NFL because I, I think they could pull it off without affecting future seasons too much in terms of kicking it down a little. Well, I, I just, you know, Ross Tucker and I were talking about this the other day, and I just, I don't see a scenario where it makes sense to to start right now if we actually believe there's going to be some reasonably successful vaccine in a couple of months, well, a couple of mm-hmm. months past when they would start. Just, you know, why risk it? Why why not take that element out? And you could also, you know, it's not just, you know, selfishly, not just a player safety issue for NFL teams. But also, you're allowing yourself the possibility of having fans back in seats in some capacity. Right, for sure. From like a financial perspective, to gain the gate, you know, like maybe you don't get a full hundred percent or even seventy-five percent capacity, but even to get up to fifty, because right now, you know, it looks like fifteen percent. The Packers just released something um, to their fans that said that they wouldn't allow any fans at training camp or either their preseason games, which mm. The thought of having two preseason games right now, first of all, they've already canceled two of them, right? Yep. They're going to cancel. I can't imagine them playing more than one um, even two months from now uh, or a month and a half from now. I just the only thing I'll say is, like, I do think the NFL wants to avoid a situation where they start they start ramping up. They start training camp. The players are admitted and then, you know, they have to cancel it all because of either jurisdictional issues or whatever the case may be. So. I do think if we get started, it's going to happen, and they don't want what happened with baseball, where they had like basically a full spring training and then a you know a four month break. Yeah, I think the fan thing is a little bit crazy how it's being handled right now with with Goodell basically putting it down to the individual teams and the individual states whether or not they're going to have fans. How that's that, that feels like a weird competitive advantage, both you know, on ter- in terms of having fans and the actual in-game experience and a financial advantage. How you would have to think that, you know, like the, the notion of home team gates are just they have to go out the window this year. If you're letting fans in some stadiums and not others, and all that money just has to go into a pot and be distributed evenly. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. You have to share the revenues that, and that may be his plan. Maybe that's part of it. Like. Fine, there are competitive advantages, but hey, at least like we're make we're funneling money back into the league, even if it's not much. Because like, look, it's going to be split thirty-two ways. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And so, I don't know. I, I think that it's 
it's a very complicated set of issues, but I, I tend to lean towards make the same rules for everybody uh, because it just doesn't seem fair for a variety of reasons. I agree with you. I, I agree completely. And, you know, football, it finds itself in a really interesting position. There's been a lot of, you know, today is the, uh, is the franchise tag deadline. It feels like this year, more than any I can remember in the past, we're going to see a crazy amount of NFL stars playing under the franchise tag. And mm. guys who it seems like are probably destined to move on from their teams maybe next off season. You know, that list includes uh, Joe Thune, who is quietly one of the best guards in football that nobody knows about. Yannick Ngakwu from, from the Jaguars, elite pass rusher. You know, Hall of future Hall of Famer AJ Green, Dak Prescott, Justin Simmons, who like Thune, one of the best players in this position, and the, the casual fan doesn't know his name yet. Shaq <sighs> Barrett, Derrick Henry led the NFL in rushing last year. Brandon Scherf, when he's healthy, is one of the best interior linemen in the game. Leonard Williams with the Giants, and you know Leonard Williams is what Leonard Williams is at this point. Bud Dupree in Pittsburgh, Anthony Harris, another one of the best safeties in football in Minnesota, Hunter Henry in uh, San Diego and, and Matthew Judon in uh, in Baltimore. Like it, it seems like a lot of these guys are headed for free agency next year. Bunch of running backs too that you didn't mention oh, who aren't playing God. necessarily under the franchise tag, but they're all like effectively franchised because no one really wants to put the tag on these running backs um, until the subsequent year if they were that good. I know the Packers are in that spot with Aaron Jones, but you know I I do think that part of it is what we're talking about. Like it's all related and that's there's so much uncertainty around the amount of revenue that will be available. And like, should the salary cap drop precipitously or, you know, or maybe, you know, TV deals get renegotiated. I don't know how it might work, but basically they do have a CBA in place, which is good. Um, But, you know, there's other, there are a ton of mitigating factors as far as like what, it's already hard enough for teams to want to marry themselves to players longer term. And you're kidding yourself if you don't think that that impacted like the re-signing of Chris Jones or Miles Garrett mm. or Patrick Mahomes even. And like, maybe Mahomes is the only exception because it is such a long deal. But I would be willing to bet the players took maybe a couple less bucks and the teams decided this was a good time to capitalize on this uncertain time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. Well, both of those guys who you mentioned there are uh, among the five highest paid defensive players in football. So didn't didn't take too much sure. of a discount. But oh, and mm-hmm. by the way, going back to the uh, the uncertainty about the season, this is going to be the most interesting season of hard knocks ever. And the, oh, yeah. uh, the Rams and the Chargers, I believe, are splitting hard knocks this year. And it's going to be weird to see how all of this is actually being handled and what kind of access we have, you know, candidly because yeah teams true. aren't going to want to let these people into their locker rooms right right um i'm guessing it'll be much more of like you know feature stories and um maybe pre-planned stories almost mm-hmm. uh, not that they don't have those already but uh yeah i i guess yeah because you're you're talking about i don't know how many people are carrying cameras around and doing right. the interviews but i gotta think that you know a full crew is gonna make a big difference uh in terms of more additional people to consider. And so, yeah, I, that's a really great point. I'm, I have not thought about that, especially with two teams, not just one. Mm, absolutely. And you mentioned the that running back class. We could potentially be seeing a historic running back class hit free agency next year. And I know a lot of these guys are in situations where they could be franchise tagged next year. But as of right now, 
Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake, Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, James Conner, Matt Brieta, Philip Lindsay, uh, Kareem Hunt, James White, Tariq Cohen, Marlon Mack, all set to be free agents next summer. Wow. That's like half the starters in the league. We, <laughs> I know you and I were texting about like the top 10 backs. I think that's like at least half of those guys. I, mm-hmm. I mean, man, that's, that's big. And uh, I think that the league's, um, hesitation, I don't know, uh, the league's, uh, uh, ambivalence towards running backs is going to be very much tested. I mean, we saw how cheap it was to get Todd Gurley this year. Um, we'll see if that carries through with, with guys entering their prime, really, with like the Mixons and Cooks and Aaron Joneses. Yeah, and that doesn't even factor in a pretty good looking running back class in, uh, in college yeah. this year with ETN, Najee Harris, Chubba Hubbard, uh, Trey Sermon, Brian Robinson, Rakeem Boyd, Elijah Mitchell, and, and so on. So mm-hmm. it's the uh, the musical chairs for the running back position is going to be interesting to watch over the next 12 months. For sure. Yeah, I I mean, I just can't fathom those guys not getting a chance. And then, you know, what that means is other players, the other shoe drops, right? The Le'Veon Bell's basically forced into retirement. There are going to be guys. I mean, every team needs basically two, maybe even 2.5 good running backs. But mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you right now, Joe Mixon or Dalvin Cook or Aaron Jones, are, they're not taking a job where they're the 1B to somebody else. Oh, right. Absolutely not. And, you know, mm-hmm. and I would guess that if long-term extensions aren't worked out, Kamara, Jones, and Mixon all get franchised. But, mm. you know, that's the – who are you concerned – who are you not sure about? I don't think the Packers are franchising Aaron Jones. Really? Why? Uh, just the amount that they would owe him versus what they need to pay guys like the Packers. Well, I mean, the Packers are a specific example, but I think all those guys, maybe not all of them. Mixon, you know, the Bengals could probably afford to franchise him, but I think of the Saints and Packers both in the same boat where they have a lot of high-priced veterans that are very tricky to fit into a cap where your quarterback is already taking up such a big share of it. That's interesting, and I, I do I guess that you know while they're not the same players as Kamara for uh, you know, <laughs> agreed and on all fronts. Lambo agrees. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> while while they're certainly not the same players as Kamara, you know guys like Philip Lindsay or you know uh, Tariq Cohen or even you know Kareem Hunt would mm. be really interesting options to you know as replacements for either one of those uh, Saints or Packers teams. For sure. Totally agree. Uh, but you could again, argue like, Hunt could be an upgrade. <laughs> you could. I, I mean, I kind of made that argument with you. <laughs> like, I, I think that he's right there. Um, I, you know, and again, with those running backs, the cheap ones in the draft, and if you can replace a franchise tag-ish running back with mm. uh, a cheap third-round pick that gives you similar explosion potentially, I mean – it's not easy to replace an Alvin Kamara or Aaron, an Aaron Jones, but I think that you can potentially delude yourself into thinking you can do it or you convert your, your offense into something that maybe capitalizes on a different skill set. So it's going to be very, very interesting how the running back musical chairs game, as you put it, uh, shakes out. And then also, like, we're not even considering all the players that are just going to burst onto the scene, which you know there are going to be a bunch of those too. Yeah, you hope so, but uh, games have to be played for that to happen. True, <laughs> so good point, very good point. We shall see. I am. Uh, I, I think you know the big the big fear, and also like the kind of interesting hypothetical situation to play out is 
if there for some reason isn't an NFL season this year, and I do think that we're going to get NFL football, I'm confident mm-hmm. in that. But you have potentially a double draft class next year with uh, you know two groups of rookies taking part in that 2021 oh. season. Oh man, you've got Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence for rookie of the year. You got uh... <laughs> hotly yeah. contested. That would be yeah. If you had Joe Burrow and uh, and Fields and Lawrence and Lance, that's a uh, good. And to, oh, and to, uh, and a healthy Tua at that point. A healthy Tua, yeah, exactly. It, that yeah. is uh, a fun competition. Mm-hmm. Not to mention all the other good players. Yeah, I that would be be a blast. I but also like I hope we don't have that because right. that would mean we lost the season. It would be wonderful in 2021 and absolutely terrible until then. You're right, exactly. Well, no, I'm with you. I would be. I will say I will be very surprised. I will be stunned if we don't have NFL football by January at some point. Agreed. Agreed completely. Uh, let's, mm-hmm. let's talk about some of these re-signings that you alluded to. Miles Garrett now making the most money on an AAV basis of any defensive player in the National Football League. Five years, $125 million extension that ties him to the Browns through 2026, which will be his age 31 season. How'd you feel about the deal for Miles Garrett? I, I mean, so he is, the, I believe, the highest-paid player outside of quarter, uh, non-quarterback in terms of yearly salary, if I'm yes. not mistaken. I mean, I like, I don't think of him as the best non-quarterback in the league, but it wouldn't surprise me at all when you combine um, that he would be that guy. I will say, like, right. if you combine his age, he's 24, maybe 25. Obviously, the number one pick pedigree. The only blemishes on his resume involve you know, not off the field incidents, but, mm-hmm. you know, like on field character stuff, the Mason Rudolph thing, which is very dubious in terms of like what may have prompted that. And then, I don't know. I, I think that he is, as someone who watches the Browns a lot, I'm sure you would agree. Like he is as good as it gets in terms of all the, the full package. And he seems like a generally good guy. Um, mm. I think it's, if you're going to pick a person to, a player to sort of like give that much money to, I, I, I would put him at the very, very top of that list. So I think it's very fair. Yeah, ten sacks in those ten games he played last season. I believe only mm. uh, Aaron Donald and maybe Khalil Mack. I forget who the second player is uh, that on the defensive side of the ball that are making more total money, but got, uh, Garrett makes the most per year. Mm-hmm. Yep, that sounds right, and. You know, for a team that isn't spending that much at quarterback and doesn't plan on doing it for at least two years, I would think. Mm. Um, even if Baker Mayfield does the star turn thing, like, I, I mean, they're in a great spot. And as we saw with the Chiefs, you can do, you can have both. And those two guys are clearly the pillars of that organization. And in, in the, at least if they, if things go well, they, those two guys are. Well, the Chiefs didn't stop spending money. They signed a star defensive tackle, Chris Jones, to a four-year, $85 million extension, once again making him one of the highest-paid defensive players on an AAV basis. Yeah, and again, kind of the same sort of thing. Uh, there's you know, no problems off the field with Chris Jones, I like at this, as least as a, uh, as a Chief. And, you know... He, He's obviously just so good, and mm. he's the anchor that the, on that defense. Also, I believe, what, one year? He was a year before uh, Garrett, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the, but yeah, yeah they, the had, they had one year of control left on Jones. Browns had two on Garrett. 
Yeah, there you go. So, and I do feel like Jones has only gotten better, which is obviously a nice thing to be. And interior pressure is such a big factor. And he's not like Aaron Donald in that. Like, he's just so big that even if he's not rushing the passer at the rate that he's done over the last few years, I feel like in two or three years, he can still be just a space eater in the middle. And uh, it's nice to have one of those guys to free up all your other players. I, I will say, and it, you know, you can speak to this a little bit, Fletcher Cox, the Packers are in a position to do something like this with Kenny Clark, who is mm-hmm. one of the best young players in the game as well. And I, I mean, I have a little bit of hesitation with giving that much money to a defensive tackle because it can get scary if you don't have like an Aaron Donald or, and I'll, I'll put Fletcher Cox in that mix as well. Yeah. You know, and that makes my comment a lot easier because I, I do agree with you. I don't, Cox isn't isn't Aaron Donald, but he's in that next tier of superstar defensive tackles who completely change, you know, how an offense can play against them. So yes. he's he's a and difference maker. Plan. No. Yeah. Yeah. So I have no problem with that money to uh to Fletcher Cox. Now you know we're also paying a lot of money to Javon Hargrave and Malik Jackson defensive tackle, and you know <laughs> I'm a little bit more apprehensive about those two, though this will likely be uh, Malik Jackson's last year in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It's uh yeah, it's an interesting situation when you commit that much money to a guy in the middle of a defensive line, but you know when they're worth it, they're worth it. Mm-hmm. Do you think Chris Jones is is that guy? I think so. I I think Jones is. Oh God, if this is this is really hard because it's been a while without football and a lot has changed, but I would say Donald is clearly the number one defensive tackle in football. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jones might be too. Probably. But what is that like? I I mean, I don't disagree with you at all. I just, what does that mean? Like, is that, is that a guy that needs to get Like, because look, if you're the Chiefs and, you know, I know that the salary gap is very, it fluctuates so much yeah. in, in NFL and you don't know, but it feels like that would hamstring them for the next five years now that they have, Jones and Mahomes like I mean I guess at some point Tyron Matthews gone at some point mm-hmm. Mitchell Schwartz is gone right but um you know it does do you have Tyree Kill like do you have the money to spend on other pieces um when you have someone clogging up both the middle and the cap the way that Chris Jones will over the <laughs> next few years I think the argument to that though is is just like you're paying Patrick Mahomes all this money because he makes everyone else on that offense better Chris Jones yeah. has that similar effect on the defensive line where every other guy on that defensive line is better and more productive because of the attention paid to Chris Jones. Yeah, I think you're right. And, you know, by the time he's a free agent, he'll be 30 or 31. I, To me, it's just like if I'm choosing between the two guys we've discussed, which is Garrett or Jones, and I'm not saying that was a choice that the Chiefs had, mm-hmm. but I would have considered franchising Jones and then just seeing – what happens? And maybe you create a lot of animosity with Jones and it becomes a harder sell for you if he does break out. Um, but, you know, I would be willing to take that risk and then sign into that deal the next year. I mean, what like how much more would he cost you in, in a year? Well, that's the risk. Has... That's the risk, isn't it? Because look, look at the deal DeForest Buckner got. So what, he, how much was I that? Buckner right? got twenty one. And Something. Jones got 21. Yeah, 22. but but you're talking about more players coming up next year. I'm looking at the the Buckner contract right now, but I believe it is 21. Um, you have more players coming up next year to reset that market. You know, who knows 
if Akeem Hicks or somebody like that or Cam Hayward gets a contract extension. Then all of a sudden, the number is completely different. Instead of signing Jones for 21 this year, you're signing him for 23 or 24 next year. Yeah. I mean, I guess I would be willing to take that risk. Although, you know, I just say that as a, I, I see the Packers doing something very similar with Clark, and I think that they're pretty similar players. Clark's just not like as high profile because he's on a defense that's, you know, yeah. that hasn't won a Super Bowl and all that. And, you know, I just, I think that that's like age wise, he's maybe a year younger actually. I, but like, it scares me to give him that money instead of, and I don't know if it's an instead of situation to be completely honest, but if I had the choice of having like that much money, like I think you got to give him, you got to, you got to pay him, you have him in house, but I think that I would be willing to say, okay, I would rather have the pass rusher or the franchise left tackle if that's like the choice that I have to make. Well, NFL free agency so often comes down to it, you're getting paid not so much for your own value, but the value that it, how much it would cost to replace you, right? Right. And right. so that's why we're not going to spend big money on a running back all that often unless they're mm-hmm. in that elite, elite class. But to get a defensive tackle of that caliber, you're going to be paying as much or more and probably more because you're going to have to get him from somewhere else. So mm-hmm. it's probably cheaper just to resign your own guy. Uh, it, I would go, okay, mm-hmm. so here's my tiers. Donald is one, uh, Cox and Jones are two, in no order, and then, you know, Buckner, Hicks, Hayward, Clark, Jarrett, and um, maybe Kawan Short in uh, mm. in the tier below mm-hmm. That's fair. And they're all kind of, like, different. I would prefer, like, obviously Donald's the best, probably the best non-quarterback in the league. Okay. Um, definitely the best, you know, defensive tackle. And He might be the best just player so- in the NFL, honestly. Yeah, I'll take Mahomes, but I I, 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 under, I understand that Mahomes is more valuable, <laughs> but it's just in terms of their their skill at the position, Relative, in terms of their best, sure. in terms of being the best football players, the best football player and the most impactful football player are not the same thing. Yeah, that's I hear what you're saying. Like he's the best either technician or like he makes the most of how good he can be at his given position. Um, I, I I guess like I can see that, but anyways, the point is like, okay, he's on another level. To me, if you're going to pay a defensive tackle, he better be able to definitely stop the run, definitely mm-hmm. take up two gaps, mm-hmm. and also probably definitely should be able to rush the passer. And that's something with most defensive tackles that you just don't see. Right. And I think that, that the guys that you named in that second tier, and, and we'll throw Jones in there, do that pretty regularly. But I'll also say Jones is not like – the game wrecking force, at least not yet, and he's still young. To me, he's not like the game wrecking force that 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 I would spend twenty plus million dollars a year on personally. And I, I that's just my my thought on that. That's fair. I, I totally get where that's coming from. Uh, you know, you're talking about a 26 year old who what did he have in in 13 games last year? He had nine sacks. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, right. when you're so. getting you're getting double digit sacks out of your defensive tackle that changes a defensive line completely. But yeah, th- I, guess, I will say. So the other well, argument in in terms of paying the in terms of paying defensive tackles, and I guess Jones falls into this, and Donald falls into this. If I I guess I would be much more comfortable paying my defensive tackle a ton of money if my defense was really good. The Chiefs defense yeah. and the Rams defense kind of question marks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I do. I, I Donald's just different, so sure. I like don't even want to compare him. But like, you know, at the same time, 
I think that, you know, pressures are a big factor. And I just, I want to differentiate between a guy like Jones and a guy like Fletcher Cox even, because having watched a lot of Fletcher Cox, I'm sure you can speak to it too. But like mm-hmm. when I, when I, whenever the Eagles are on, I feel like Fletcher Cox has perennially been a guy that wrecks the game, you mm-hmm. know, like in a way, in a way that's almost impossible to plan against in that, like, fine, you could put two guys on him, but he's either going to, you know, that just frees up other people, which is fine. Cause I think Jones does that, but he also still gets to the quarterback or messes stuff up all the time because he's got such a nose for like the way plays are developing and such an explosive element to his game that I just, yeah. I have not seen that from Chris Jones and I haven't seen that from Kenny Clark either. And so that would be the, the thing to me. And I think that your point about like how the rest of the defense sort of manifests itself around players like that is very well taken. And I think that like, there's probably subtle stuff that I just frankly can't really wrap my head around that those types of big tackles can do that the smaller ones can't. Well, all of this is ultimately a conversation about whether or not we're going to have sports this year. And I laugh because uh, otherwise I would cry. Um, we yesterday, yesterday I guess the last couple of days we got uh, the news that they found the rat who tested positive from bubonic plague. And uh, today the news comes out that a 15-year-old boy in Mongolia has died of bubonic plague. Oh God! So of course. that's that's cool. We're all yeah. You know, I'd be surprised if anyone actually can listen to this because we'll all be dead by the time it's posted. <laughs> murder hornets there's that there's the you know upgraded version of covid that's over and uh, i don't remember where i think it's in china too but yeah, uh, yeah we're, we're just all <laughs> everything is good um all right well look before we get out of here i do want to address some nba stuff really quick we are as i mentioned nine days away from scrimmages starting which i believe are going to be on league pass so that'll be uh some more entertainment if uh, hmm. you people don't want to watch baseball on the 24th um we'll just uh, run through some of this really quick because not all of it deserves a, a long conversation dennis schroeder says he's gonna he's gonna leave uh the bubble in three to four weeks because his wife is pregnant that's obviously going to be impact to the to the thunder but he's expected to return james harden who was once rumored to have had tested positive for coronavirus is now in orlando and it looks like he just didn't really feel like showing up just yet However, mm-hmm. his teammate uh, teammate Russell Westbrook has tested positive and expects to be back by the time games are played. Nikola Jokic has joined his teammates after testing positive in the Orlando bubble. That sentence was poorly structured, but I think yeah. you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> I uh, got you. However, teammates Gary Harris, Torrey Craig, and Michael Porter Jr. are not with the uh, are not with the Nuggets so far. We don't know why rumors are that they were in proximity to people who tested positive but mm-hmm. you know for I, I support the whole hipaa stuff and uh, and having these people allowed their privacy not all is bad however on the port in the porter family oft injured former missouri center jante porter has been a full participant in practices for orlando wow. and uh the grizzlies will also be getting Justice Winslow back. So while while Porter certainly isn't going to be a rotational guy just yet, he'll be a depth piece, and Winslow should be a big piece for this Grizzlies team. Grizzlies are going to be one of the most fun teams for sure in the at least in the regular season portion of this, and uh, certainly one of the two or three teams to watch. That little mix of teams jockeying for that eight seed in the West is 
um, seems like it's going to be the storyline heading into the playoffs, as it were. And so, yeah, love seeing that the Grizzlies are approaching full strength, and uh, hopefully they're they're able to you know make a little run because I think it'd be really fun to see them playing well along with the Thunder going into this, or I'm sorry, with the uh, with the Pelicans going into this final this final stage. Absolutely. And one of the big reasons why I've always said that if we were going to have this bubble come back, we might as well just throw conferences out and take the 16 best teams is the fact that two teams are going to make the playoffs in the East who just aren't very good at the end of the day. Uh, The (laughs) Nets, potentially one of them. At the end of last week, we learned that Jamal Crawford and Michael Beasley had been signed by the Nets, a couple of uh, mixtape former NBA superstars. Beasley, however... Has tested positive for COVID-19, has been sent home to self-quarantine. They say that his uh, his roster spot is in flux, but given that they sent him home rather than had him quarantine off campus, I have to imagine that he is done with the Nets. Uh, his comeback is over. They have also signed Lance Thomas because we're scraping the bottom of the barrel and for free agency oh, now. Eight, eight Nets have tested positive for coronavirus. <laughs> Oh man, the Nets are, uh, they're a mess heading into this thing, but, uh, you know, the, that was part of the deal. We were going to get some of this and, um, the Nets are just going to be one of those dumpster fires here for the first few weeks until the, the bad teams are gone. One team that's going to be a lot more interesting than we originally thought are going to be, uh, the, the Indianapolis Pacers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to get Victor Oladipo back. We didn't expect him to. He's been playing five on five in practice and feeling good. So, Assuming that we're getting a healthy Oladipo, how much does that change that Pacers team? Uh, I mean, a healthy Oladipo. Are we talking about like the Oladipo we saw before the you know the break, or the Oladipo we saw before the injury? Because if he's anywhere like the guy that was pre-injury Oladipo, then this becomes a very very interesting team. Yeah. In, in uh, you know in an admittedly questionable scenario, but I, you know, if he's anything like what he was before the break, then, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I just think that there's too many good teams in the East. There's three teams that are just so headed four teams that are head and shoulders above them, even with him the way he was. I have to feel like this extra four months to, to heal and get confident in your, uh, in your own abilities is going to play a big part in that. We're going to see something Closer to the uh, the high level Oladipo than the the marginal starter that we had when uh, we watched mm. him play at the at the end of the the last part of the season. Uh, the NBA yeah. tip hotline has been quite active. Uh, apparently, uh, players are not have not are not and have not been afraid to let the league know when people are doing things they're not supposed to. Two guys who have already suffered from that: Rashawn Holmes accidentally broke quarantine when picking up food delivery. Now he's going to have to additionally quarantine for 10 more days. And uh, two years away from being two years away, Bruno Caboclo and the Houston Rockets <laughs> also apparently inadvertently broke quarantine. Now he's going to have to self-quarantine for eight days. Is this going to be like where fans can call into golf tournaments to say that <laughs> players are breaking their rules? Like I, that's what my immediate thought was. I, um, I hope, not but i do think we'll see some of that and you got to wonder like at what point are you know are, are we going to see some temptation are we going to see i know there was like a a tweet that went around about a uh i'll just call her a side piece because that's mm. kind of what she was but she went viral and said like so many players are going to go they're going to break quarantine this 
young lady um, was apparently asked to join uh, one of the players in the bubble for a, for an evening on the town. So mm. I, I wonder if, you know, we'll see a lot more of that. And, um, you know, players just need to be super, super careful. Like, I mean, beyond what they already were, because social media is such a big part of, you know, is such a big part of society anyway, and players could be put on blast at any time. Now, the NBA has got a microscope on all these teams, and, you know, especially for the good ones. I mean, guys like, I'm just going to say it, James Harden, got to be very careful compared to what uh, apparently his his patterns of behavior have been in the past. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Do you care to elaborate? Uh, um I'll just I'll just like context excludes fill the gaps. Yeah, there. Gotcha. yeah. <laughs> uh, I do I do like that the tip hotline has been active early because I feel like it's going to incentivize players to as does Bo to incentivize yes. players to uh, to not do something stupid lest they be uh, lest they be kicked out. Let's hope, um, but uh, not super confident about that. Me neither, but you know we shall see a couple other pieces before we get out of here. Uh, Goran Dragic said that Bam Adebayo and Kendrick Nunn have not been with the Heat. Uh, so we do know that two unknown Heat players tested positive for coronavirus. I'm not going to suggest that it's those two, but I'm also going to imply that it probably is. <laughs> do we... <sighs> You know how bad. I don't would... think that's covered under HIPAA. You're good. Yeah, I, I believe me. I had a conversation with a lawyer last week about what we can and cannot say in relation to a true crime podcast and accusing people. So I'm very familiar with my rights right now. Because <laughs> um, that's not something that occurred to me before. But uh, how how much is this Heat team hurt if they don't get Adebayo and Nunn back soon? Well, I mean, they go from kind of an interesting team that could capitalize on this whole situation to one that has absolutely no chance. I mean, you, well said. there's just no, they have no chance without, uh, without Adebayo specifically. Well, things are now different in Philadelphia. Brett Brown has been playing superstar Ben Simmons exclusively at the power forward position in practice. And it looks like he's going to be a four moving forward, at least for the remainder of this season with Shake Milton taking over the starting point guard role. How do you feel about the move of Simmons to the four? I'll defer to you on that. I think it's interesting. Um, I assume that, uh, you know, he's still, still going to carry the ball off quite a bit um, mm-hmm. and, you know, be a big piece of that offense in terms of capitalizing on his passing and slashing abilities. But um, I wonder what this – what does that mean in general? I mean, does that mean he'll be guarding fours more, basically? Well, he, he always you – know, Simmons is a guy who can guard anybody on the court. He is one of the most versatile right. defensive players in, in basketball, so I'm not worried about that. I think that you see potentially a uh, – a rich man's version of Draymond Green is the is the uh, upside there, and that's interesting. I did see Ben Simmons make a three in practice yesterday, which assures me that he's going to be shooting them regularly now and at a reasonable clip. <laughs> Sounds completely reasonable to me as well. Totally confident there. Uh, bad news for you know Philadelphia and worse news for him. Uh, Ryan Brokaw, Brian, Ryan Brokoff, excuse me, who initially signed to play with the Sixers in the bubble has uh, not joined the team yet. His wife has uh, an immunocompromisation issue. Uh, words are hard at the end of the show. <laughs> She's immunocompromised is the point of what I'm saying. I got and, it. And I mean, they and they clear. have a new child. He is uh, back home with them, and whether or not he's going to join the team is still in doubt. Uh, hope the best uh, comes from all of this for Ryan's family. Really struggling putting mm-hmm. one word in front of the other now. And uh, <laughs> finally... During practice, Rajon Rondo and the Los Angeles Lakers uh, suffered a 
pretty major injury. Fractured his right thumb at Sunday's practice, going to miss six to eight weeks. How bad does that hurt the Lakers? It, it's not great, obviously, It's uh, especially because he was looking ripped up. He's one of those guys who benefited from the quarantine mm. along with uh, with Jokic and others. But, Mo Bamba. Uh, Mo Bamba, yeah. Added yeah, oh 38 pounds, allegedly. Oh, my God. Well, that's like two pounds for a normal person. But, sure. yeah, that's um, – yeah, so, I, you know, I think that it's – it does seem like that six to eight weeks seems like a long time, but from the point of the broken thumb, it looks like he might just miss the first round, maybe some of the second, and then obviously, you know, the ramp up. But this isn't a guy known for his shooting anyway, so mm-hmm. um, I don't expect it to affect them too much, to be honest. All right. Well, uh, I, last thing I'm going to ask you, we're going to get out of here, is uh, the news came out Michael Kopech won't be playing for the White Sox this year. How are you feeling? Uh, obviously super disappointed as a White Sox fan, but uh, completely understandable for a guy that's battled mental health issues. And, um, you know, it, you know, this is such an odd time for everyone. If this is, you know, the, the path he wanted to go down, um, you know, we have no idea what he and his wife are, you know, going through. And mm-hmm. uh, I just, you know, it's it sucks as a fan, but also, you know, you hope for the best. And, um, you know, ramp up, be ready for 2021. No more Tommy John surgeries. That would be my hope. We wish him well. That is going to be it for this week's episode of The Underdog. For Anshu Khanna, I'm Chris Horwadell. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.